Let's pray. Father, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One day, a Roman army general, army officer, came up to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, I have a servant who's very ill. In fact, he's paralyzed, and he's suffering at home in bed. Jesus said, well, I'll come to your house right away, and I'll heal him. The Roman centurion said, Lord, you don't really need to do that. You see, I understand authority and I understand obedience. I'm a military person and I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. I'm a captain in the army and when I give commands to my soldiers or to my servants, they obey me immediately. They do whatever I tell them to do. So, Jesus, you don't need to come to my house. If you'll just say the word right now, I'm sure he will be healed instantly. Well, the Bible says that Jesus looked at that Roman soldier and said, this is the greatest faith I have ever seen in Israel. Isn't that amazing? The greatest faith I have ever seen. Now, why? I think it's because here we see faith and obedience interlocked. God links faith and obedience so that all of the promises of God are conditioned upon following the directions that he has given to you and me. In Deuteronomy, you see the Bible passage on your message outline, follow all the directions the Lord has given you, then life will go well for you. You see, God has made Well, the Bible's got over 7,000 of them, 7,000 promises to you, and a lot of them are about obedience. And he gets very, very specific when it comes to promises regarding obedience. In fact, there are so many of them that I couldn't even list them. But I put a few of them, just a few of them, on your message outline. Take a look at some of these. These are God's promises. God blesses those who obey him. God watches over those who obey him. God helps those who obey him. The Bible says if you follow God's directions, you're going to be happy. It says if you obey him, you'll live longer. It says you'll have greater wisdom. You'll dwell in peace and security. You'll be great in the kingdom of God. He said if you'll obey him, you will be rewarded for eternity. Now that's just a small portion of the promises regarding obedience. See, obedience is the premise behind all of God's promises. God gives us his promises by grace, but we enjoy his promises whenever we follow his directions, whenever we follow his instructions. Now, based on all of those promises, and they're pretty incredible, let me ask this question. Is God a liar? Check yes or no, or not sure. Well, I think we should all agree we should check that first box. No, not the first one. I'd rearrange the second one. No, God is not a liar. God says, I'll do all of these things if you will follow my direction. Now, based on that, let me ask you a few questions this morning. 
question number one, is obeying and following God a good idea or a bad idea? What do you say? Good idea, okay. Second question, is it smart or stupid to disobey something God has told you to do? (laughs) That's stupid. How about this one? When I don't understand something God tells me to do, would it be more beneficial to me to go ahead and do it anyway or do what I think is best? Yeah, do it anyway. You know, God often gives us commands in the Bible, but he doesn't really explain why he gives them. And as a result, sometimes his commands sound rather unfair. Uh, they, some people look at them and it says, man, this really kind of cramps my style. I mean, is God some sort of a, a cosmic killjoy? I mean, for example, the Bible is very clear. No sex outside of marriage. Exclamation point, end of paragraph, end of subject. The Bible says that when somebody hurts you, you are to punch them in the face, right? No, you are to forgive them. The Bible says that you are to take the first 10% of your income, tithe it back to the Lord. The Bible says that when people do evil things to you, do good things back to them. Now, those are just four examples of things that God says that, let's be honest, in today's day and age, these don't make a whole lot of sense, at least humanly speaking. But God says, just do it anyway. So the big question is, will I be blessed by obeying what God says, even when I don't understand it, or do I go around and make up my own set of rules because... Well, after all, I know more than God. Well, there's no question which is the correct answer. Obedience is always a demonstration of faith. Obedience unlocks the keys of all of God's blessings to us. See, God promises his rewards if we will follow his directions. And as your pastor, I want you to know, I don't want you to miss out on any of God's promises. I don't want you to miss out on any of God's blessings. I don't want you to miss out on the fact that God will bless you and save you or watch over you or take care of you or help you or or help you be happy or help you live longer or or that you'll lack nothing or you'll have what you need or you'll have perfect freedom. I don't want you to miss out the fact that God wants to prosper you and make you successful and make you great in God's kingdom and to be rewarded. I don't want you to miss out on any of that. So today I want us to take a look at a simple little question And that's how to receive the promises of God. How do we cash in these blank checks, if you will? And as always, the Bible is very, very clear. See, when you know what God tells you to do, there are only four things left for you to do. Here's number one. Obey God immediately. Immediately. Not now, or not in a while, not a couple of days, not a week, not a year, but obey immediately immediately in psalm 119 verse 32 it says i will quickly obey your commands without delay i hurry to obey your commands now if there's any time in your life when you really ought to hurry it would be when god tells you to do something don't delay obey right away whether you feel like it or not whether you understand it or not So you don't have to really understand something to benefit from it. For example, every time I fly, 
I look at that gigantic pile of machinery, that metal, and I don't understand how that gets off the ground, but I still fly. I don't understand how computers work, but I like email. I, I don't understand internal combustion, uh, but I've driven a car for many years. And in the same way, you don't always need to understand God's commands in order to benefit. Now, every parent that's here, and I see a bunch of kids got under there. So let me speak maybe to parents right now and grandparents who've been through this before. Every one of you know that when you tell your kids something to do, I bet here, Joe and Amanda, you've heard this one, they look at you and they go, why? Why should I do that? And when you look at them, I bet the same four words come out of your mouth that come out of the mouth of every other parent before. It's these four words, because I said so. Now, <laughs> God tells us to do something, and we go, why? And God says, because I said so. And he really has the same thing behind those four words that we do as a parent. If I, I've got a little child and I'm speaking to my son Eric or my daughter Terry or to my grandson Josh, and he says, why? I would say, well, it's because your little brain isn't big enough. You have to figure this one out. Someday you're going to understand reality, but until then, I know better than you. I'm doing this for your own good, so just do it. When we try the same thing with God, God says the same thing. I know more than you do. I don't owe you an explanation. Someday you may understand. You may have to wait to heaven. Doesn't make any difference. Just do it. You know, when you think about it, it's really pretty audacious to question the creator of the universe and say something like, are you sure, God? But let me ask this. What if you don't have a good attitude when God asks you to do something? Well, you still obey. You obey God even with a bad attitude? Absolutely, because that's far better than disobedience. Well, parents, let's go back on to another illustration. You say, kids, I want you to clean up your room, but you don't have to do it until you have a good attitude. When will that room get cleaned up, Derek? <laughs> Never. Well, adults play the same game. We say things like, I don't feel like forgiving my spouse. I don't feel like reconciling with my spouse. I don't feel like breaking off that affair that I know is wrong. I had a guy tell me that one time. I don't feel like it. I had a two-word response for him. So what? <laughs> so what? Who cares what you feel? Do the right thing anyway. I mean, only immature people live by their feelings. Mature people, Christian people, Christ followers, do what? They do the right thing. You obey God in spite of how you feel. Then after you've obeyed, then you can worry on your, work on your sorry attitude. I mean, feelings can come later. Do the right thing because you know it's the right thing to do. And guess what? Your feelings will probably catch up with you. Let me give you a principle from the Bible. In the Bible, there are times when God says something specifically, like on the first day of the week, do this, or on the tenth day of this, do this. But if you ever find God giving you a command, a stated command, without a specific date, he means 
now. He means immediately. Let me go back to kids again. This is kind of this is almost like a parenting lesson today, I think about. But you know, kids are born knowing how to play games. And one of the games they play is called delayed obedience. Now, this game comes in several versions. Mom or dad say, come to dinner. The first version of this game is called play deaf. Oh, I didn't hear you. You know what? We do that all the time with God, too. Oh, God, were you talking to me? Yeah, he's talking to you, and he's talking loud and clear, but you're not listening. You're trying to pretend you're deaf when you know God's talking to you. Well, if play deaf doesn't work, they play the second game, which is called, oh, you must, I thought you were talking to somebody else. Oh, you meant me come to dinner? Oh, you were talking to me about washing my hands? We do this with God, too. We take our Bible and we go, well... I mean, that verse is here in the Bible, but it's not for me. I mean, this is, this is for somebody a long time ago, a long way away. I mean, you're, you're not talking to me, are you? I've often said, you know what the best point is in the sermon? A lot of people feel this way. It's the one that flies over your head and spears the person behind you. You know, every time a, a good point comes from the pastor, we, we duck, we bob and weave, hoping it doesn't hit us because we, well, we're playing games. Well, we play games in order to delay disobedience. And when we delay disobedience, friends, let's just be honest. We're questioning God. You might as well just stand up and say, God, do you really know what's best? I mean, God, do you understand 2009 at all? I mean, God, I, I know you wrote this stuff in the Bible, but this is just old junk. I mean, do you really have what's best for me in mind? I mean, come on, God, you didn't really mean that when you said that, did you? Well, friends, what if God responded to your needs at the same rate of speed that you obey? How about that? You know, when we get in trouble, we want God's help when? Yesterday, last week, last month. Imagine if the next time you prayed and said, God, I'm really in deep weeds right now, and God said, well, John, thanks for telling me. I'll, I'll give it some thought. In fact, uh, I don't know, maybe next week if I don't forget about it, but, you know, I'm a little bit busy right now. Friends, if you want the blessings of God, all the ones I listed on your message outline and, and, and a whole lot more, obey God Immediately, delayed obedience is what? It's disobedience. Now, here's the second thing. Obey him immediately. Number two, obey him completely. Psalm 119, again, I read this to you before. Lord, you gave your orders to be obeyed completely. Now, in order to do this, you need to understand two very important truths. Important truth number one is this. God's standard of right and wrong has never changed. That may come as news to some of you. God's standard of right and wrong has never changed. If something was wrong 6,000 years ago, guess what? It's still wrong. If it was right 6,000 years ago, it's still right. Lying is in the Ten Commandments. Guess what? Lying is still wrong. 
Now, I know culture changes. I know people changes. And today we have this, this, this oh, man, I could go on for this, on this one for hours, this politically correct nonsense about truth being relative. Like, well, if it's true for you, that's fine. But it's not true for me. Oh, man, there's, there's, there's a word in the Bible for that in the Greek, hogwash. Uh, I mean, nonsense. Um, you know, what's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong, regardless of what political opinion or public opinion polls say. Here's the second thing about obeying him completely, a big truth, and that's that God has a much bigger perspective than you do. I mean, God sees things that you can't see. That's why they call him God. You try seeing from God's perspective would be like an ant trying to see from your perspective. James 4.11 says, your job is not to decide whether God's law is right or wrong. Your job is to obey it. What's the oldest temptation in the Bible? You know, a lot of people would say lust or lying or gluttony but I think the oldest temptation in the Bible is to doubt God's word. Remember when Satan came up to Adam and Eve in the garden and had that fruit, whatever it was? He said, did God really say? That's how he started out. Did God really say that you shouldn't do that? Every time you are tempted, it's the devil whispering in your ear, and the devil is saying, did God really say that? Are you sure? Are you sure that God said don't do that? Are you sure God said to do this? I know the Bible says it kind of in black and white, but did he mean it for you? Friends, you know, God is a God who is infinitely interested that when you obey him, you don't just obey him, but he's interested in why you obey him and how you obey him. See, when you love God and you trust God, what you're really saying is, God, I not only obey, I'm not, I'll not only obey you, but I'll obey you the way you want me to, when you want me to, for the reason you want me to, and the reason I do that is because I love you and I want to please you. It's called living the sanctified life. I've given you a, in another extreme Bible verse this week, Proverbs 3, verse 5. You can memorize this out of any version you want. This has to be my life verse. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. There's a great extreme faith verse. Let me give you an example of faith. In the Old Testament, uh, there's a story about a guy named Naaman. You all know that story, I'm sure. I probably need to tell it to you, but I will just for the one or two that might not know who that is. Well, Naaman was a rather wealthy person and he came down with leprosy. The cool thing was there was a Christian living in his house in this other country and said, maybe you ought to go back where I came from and visit a prophet by the name of Elijah. So Naaman makes this trip back with an entourage of servants, and he gets to Elijah, and he says, I'm a very famous man, but I got this horrible disease. I've got leprosy. What do I do about it? Elijah looked at him and said, oh, that's a no-brainer. God says, go dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman looked at him and said, you got to be nuts. 
that dirty old creek. We got cleaner rivers than, than that back where I'm from. That's humiliating. To which Elijah says something to this effect. Yeah, it is. It's known as humbling yourself before God. So Naaman does what? He goes down, pulls up to the Jordan, walks in, dunks himself under it seven times, and when he walks out, it says that his skin is like that of a newborn baby. You want to know what that looks like? Check out James after the service this morning. Now, magic waters in the Jordan? I think not. He was healed, why? Because of his extreme obedience to God. Faith and obedience work together. Jesus said, if you trust me with the details of your life, if you're faithful in all these little things, I'm going to reward you with bigger things in heaven. So what do we got? Obey God immediately. Obey God completely. And third, obey God joyfully. I mean, there's a smile on your face. Now, I know in the military, when you respond, yes, sir, no, sir, they might tell you, wipe that smile off your face or I'll wipe it off for you. But when God, you're dealing with God, and you say, yes, sir, you do it with a smile. Psalm 100, verse 2, obey him gladly. Psalm 119, the last verse I read to you this morning, I enjoy obeying your commands. You go a little bit further in Psalm 119 to verse 47, I find pleasure in enjoying your command. Now, how enjoyable is it for you to do what God asks you to do? Well, you're going to have to make that decision, but I find it pretty enjoyable. I, I mean, I, I'm going to give you just three reasons why I try to do it. I'm not telling you I'm perfect, uh, but, you know, when you follow his commands, how enjoyable is that? Well, I think, first of all, you've got fewer problems. Man, I used to live a life that was full of problems. <laughs> and I was so messed up at one point in my life, I didn't hardly know which, which way it was up. And when I kind of finally figured it out that following what God said was a whole lot better than what Barry thought, I had a whole lot fewer problems. I don't know if you ever bought your kid a bicycle. Now, Joe, I think you bought a, uh, a bunk bed the other day. Does it help to use, follow the directions? You better say yes. Yes. You know, because otherwise you're going to end up with uh, a bicycle that's only got one wheel on it or falls off or the bunk bed that tips over. See, if I follow the instruction manual, which God laid out for me, the B-I-B-L-E, which I told my Bible class this morning, stands for Basic Instruction Before Leaving Earth, then it's got a lot of benefits. And one is you just don't get yourself in such a big mess all the time. Second of all, I know I'm going to get rewarded in heaven, and quite honest, honestly, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm kind, of, I'm kind of interested to see what that looks like. There's a th third reason to joyfully do it, and it's, it's just because I love God. I know what he's done for me. I love him. I just want to do what he asked me to do. So if you want to enjoy the blessings of God in your life, what do we say? Immediately, completely, joyfully, and the last thing I would say is continually. Obey God continually. Life is not a 100-meter run. Life is like a marathon. You obey God not sporadically. You do it right now, not later. You do it this year, not next year. You don't put it off until you feel like it. 
Psalm 119, you go even further into verse 112 of that chapter. It says, I'm determined to obey you until I die. Well, that sounds a lot like a marriage statement, huh? Till death do us part. I mean, you know, when you sign up, you know, when you come to the baptismal waters and you cross the line and say, I'm one of yours, it's what? It's till death do us part. I joyfully, willingly, obediently, completely promise to obey. Have you made that choice? Is that your choice? Psalm 119, there's a lot of good stuff in this chapter, the longest chapter in the Bible, by the way. You go back to verse 33. It says, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. (laughs) Have you made that choice? Hey, God, whatever you say, it's your, I'll do it. Let me tell you, it's kind of like if you're going to pray for rain, carry an umbrella. I started praying a prayer like this not long ago, a number of years ago. I decided finally to say, okay, God, the answer is yes, even before you ask. You ever start praying a prayer like that? Look out. That's how I ended up here. (laughs) That's how I ended up in India. That's how I've ended up in Africa. That's how I ended up in the largest maximum security prison in America. Now, I got to tell you, you know, if you're going to make yourself open to God and say, look, I, I'm willing to do whatever you say, whenever you say it, however you say it, I'm going to do it willingly and joyfully and obediently and, and all that kind of stuff, God will wear you out. But that's okay. Because there's nothing better, I don't think, than to go to bed tired from doing ministry than just to go tired because go to bed because you're tired, worn out. Now, there have been people who have asked me, they said, Barry, why doesn't God just tell me what to do? I've been praying about this situation for a long time. Why doesn't God just tell me what to do? Well, I'll tell you why. I think it's sometimes because you're not already doing what he's already told you to do. I mean, God doesn't play games with his friends. I mean, God doesn't, you know, he doesn't let us in on this, God, tell me what to do, and then I'll decide whether to do it or not. I mean, why should God tell you what to do when you're not already doing the things you already know to do? I mean, why should God give you further revelation when you haven't done anything with the initial revelation? In the New Testament, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 16, we must be sure to obey the truth we have learned already. Wow, what does that mean? I'll give you a real personal example here. It has to do with you. For six weeks now, I have been talking about extreme faith. I've been talking a lot about the truth about faith. Don't have to raise your hand on this, but have you done anything about it yet? The Bible says faith without actions is dead. You got to act on it. It's acting on faith that helps you grow. Not just listening, not just taking notes on some message outline. It's doing something about it. That's why every once in a while when people come up and they say, Pastor, good sermon, I say, we'll see. We'll see. The fruit is in actually carrying it out. It's amazing to me 
how many people could actually sit through an entire message on extreme obedience, walk out, and not do a darn thing about it? That's pretty amazing when you think about it. Yet the Bible says faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. Let me give you a quick review. For those of you who haven't been here for a while, first-time visitors, this will be a review. This is what we talked about in these last six weeks. We started with extreme faith. Remember that? Expecting the best even when things don't look good. Have you started doing that? Or how about extreme dreams? Stretching your imagination, even when you're full of doubt. How about extreme do-overs? Remember that one? Taking the initiative, even when you feel like procrastinating. Doing it, knowing that God gives you a second chance. Extreme persistence. Keeping at it, even though you feel like giving up. Or last week we talked about extreme needs. You know, giving my tithe even when I think that I can't afford it in today's economy. Or today, extreme obedience. Doing what God tells me, even if it doesn't make any sense. Now, I might just be talking to myself here, folks. I don't know, but certainly on one of those subjects, one of those six subjects, faith or dreams or persistence, or fresh starts, or needs, or obedience, I just cannot be convinced that God somehow wasn't talking to you. I know he was talking to me on one of them. I know he was. The question is, am I going to do anything about what I think God was talking about? The question is, will God do anything? And I certainly hope and pray that nobody sits there and says, none of this had anything to do with me. I think that would be delusional at best. I'd hate to say what it would be at worst. You know, what are you going to start doing today? You know, faith without actions is worthless. I'll be honest with you. What we're talking about here is one of the most basic, fundamental things of Christianity. I mean, not everybody who claims to be Christian is one. I don't know if you ever figured that one out yet. Not everybody who claims to be Christian is one. Not everybody who claims to be a member of a church is one. Any more than everybody who claims to be a Lutheran is one. Not everybody claims to, who know, claims to know Jesus is going to end up in heaven. The Bible says it's a matter of obedience. In Matthew chapter 7, 21, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter heaven. The decisive issue, Jesus says, is whether they obey my Father. As we close, let me ask a few questions again. What does your obedience to God reveal about your faith and your love for him? Question number one, is your obedience to God immediate or is it delayed? Is your obedience to God complete or is it partial? Is your obedience to God joyful or is it kind of reluctant? Is your obedience to God continual or is it spasmodic? When you know the right thing to do, do you do it? Or do you put it off? Where has obedience been 
incomplete in your life. Let's pray. Father, there are many areas in our lives, all of our lives, from the biggest to the smallest, from the oldest to the youngest, areas in our life where we know what you want us to do. We just haven't done it. So, Father, this morning we say we're sorry. I'm sorry. I ask that you please forgive me for my disobedience. I pray that you would forgive these people who have heard your word today for any disobedience. Lord, when we're disobedient, it's really a lack of faith. We are not trusting you that you knew best. And so we ask you, Jesus, to give us the strength to follow your directions immediately and completely and joyfully and continually for the rest of our life, starting right now. To trust you to fulfill all of these promises in our lives. And it's in your name we pray this. Amen.